rough sketches of our Trump biopic. TBD title. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't come up I you know, I, I figure it'll be like a Woody Allen movie where it's like the title's the last thing that he comes up with. Okay. Uh like they even go into production before they even they know what the title of the movie is. Okay. They're just called the WAPS Woody Allen Project. Oh. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Uh so All if you're right. ever in LA <laughs> and you see that they're filming WAP. You'll know what's up. Can you? Could, would you use slang like, oh, yeah, I'm whapping this weekend. <laughs> Sorry, can't go to your dinner party. I'm sure someone somewhere in the history of Woody Allen movie movies have said that. Okay. Hopefully. If they haven't, then he needs to get some funnier people. Yeah. Probably refer to themselves as whappers. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, so I was wondering, because, you know, you have creative control over this as I do. Okay. For either the fantasy version or the real version. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I guess for the, the real version, like the, the way that it, it's portrayed in real life, you know, hand quotes, uh, do you want, we, we talked about doing the cast entirely played by women, mm-hmm. but do we want maybe, do we want all women gender role reversal just to like, Ooh. That way, like, the Kellyanne Conway doesn't get left out. Sure. Uh, or do we want to just do just gender blind and just cast what we think regardless of the gender of the, the actor or oh, actress in question? I kind of like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I've been running through some, some cast Oh, lists. my God. <laughs> That's a list. Well, so this is what I'm thinking. I haven't cast Trump yet. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm sort of building to the lead. Mm-hmm. So... Mike Pence. Yeah, there's a white-haired dude in Johnny Quest that looks oh. just like Mike Pence. She, she, something Bannon, maybe. No, I don't remember his name. Race Bannon? Yeah, that's the one. Boom, there you go. Uh, so either that, or I'm thinking maybe that for the fantasy version. Like, that's how Trump sees Mike Pence as Race <laughs> as Bannon. just a cartoon yeah. of himself? Okay. But, like, a muscular, masculine cartoon. Well, sure, sure, sure. Uh, so, and then in real life, he's played by Matthew Broderick. Just okay. Cut his hair, dye it white. <laughs> you know, he's kind of he plays dopey pretty well. Sure, yeah. Can he play um uh self-righteous? I think he's still got it in him. Yeah. yeah? Okay. Uh Kelly and Conway though, I I've, I've had a bit of trouble. Yeah. Depending on which way we were going to go with this. We did talk about casting a vulture in a wig. <laughs> which I a, a starved vulture a if star I remember vulture. Correct, okay. correctly. Which I'm still okay with. <laughs> That's still on the table. Okay. So, uh, Kellyanne Conway, she looks always, like, tired and strung out to me. Sure does. So I'm thinking, Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She needs... She's, she's needs I, this I vehicle. I feel this could tr- uh, uh, Tarantino her career. Like, yeah. this could just bring her back. And it's like... We're going to give her a full hair hair change, hair yeah. color change. She's going to come out a new woman. Yeah. So yeah. that's sort of my top choice. Mm, that's a great choice. I like that a lot. <laughs> okay. Steve Bannon? I'm thinking Kathy Bates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Academy Award winner, Kathy yeah. Bates. <laughs> Bring some prestige to this film. For sure. Because uh, I feel, you know... While Rosie O'Donnell is a fine choice, mm-hmm. I feel she'd ham it up a little, lean into it too much, perhaps. Right. 
Uh, it's too on the nose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like Kathy Bates would bring a, a subtlety and nuance to the to the role. Sure, sure. You know, play it play it for keeps. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but now legal tells me until we secure the life rights to the Donald Trump biopic, we shouldn't use his real name in the uh, script. So they've come up with a, a list of uh, legally safe knockoff names. All right. Uh, so there's Ronald Rump. Okay. Uh, Denny Tromp and uh, Dom Hall Gleason. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> um, well, I mean, Ronnie Rump, Ronald Rump is certainly a, a forerunner for me. It's uh, it's close enough that I think people will know who we're talking about. Okay, but um, if legal says it's okay, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm all about okay. it. Okay, yeah. All right, well, then I will continue uh, my creative progress. I wanted to, to bring up a subject uh-huh. that is kind of important to me. Uh, that t- today is, well, the day this podcast comes out is National oh, Extraterrestrial, Extraterrestrial Abduction Day. Uh-huh. Sorry, yeah. I stole your thunder. That's okay. No, no, no. It's important that we talk about this. I was also going to bring this up. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad it's important to you, too. Uh, you know... Long-time listeners will know that, you know, Dan Aykroyd is my hero. And uh, and Dan Aykroyd fans will know that he was abducted by aliens, which is why his vodka is Crystal Skull Vodka in oh. sort of tribute to his uh, time in outer space. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and they get abducted by aliens. Right, right. Yeah. I guess Crystal Skulls and aliens have something to do with one another. Huh. I didn't know he named the vodka after that. Yeah, he believes that he was abducted by aliens. Wow. So, I believe that he was really high one day. <laughs> Is there a difference? Maybe. I mean, who's to say that it, you know, wasn't column A and column B? Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, you know... I seem to recall a time when you got really high and uh, figured out the ending to Inception. <laughs> Oh, was I not supposed to talk about that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, do you want to know what the, what the ending of Inception really means? Sure. That's the people who worked on the movie. All those names. Oh my god. <laughs> Is your that mind makes so blown? much sense now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Have you ever heard the, uh, the Carpenters song... Calling Occupants of Interplanetary Craft. Boy, no, I don't think so. It's actually the official song of Alien Abduction. And it's long. It's like a ten minute song. I'll play it for you. We'll, I'll play it later. Okay. But it's, uh, it's a doozy. Really? Yeah, it's a good one. There's a Carpenter's song that you would describe as a doozy. Yeah. Okay. It really takes you on a journey. Oh. Starts off with a radio broadcast that gets interrupted by the aliens coming in with a weird vocoder. Was this song written voices. by Roger Waters and David Gilmore? No, it was written by the. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. They're uh, they they were welcoming too. Is this one of the songs that uh, Sonic Youth loves so much by them? Likely. Why didn't they cover that one? Yeah. Yeah, what was the, the ad in the paper uh, for the Pixies when they were trying to look for a bassist? 
and they put like an ad in the paper because that's what you had to do back in the day. Right. Uh, and yeah, it was like bassist wanted, uh, must love the Carpenters and Husker Du, oh. and Kim Deal was the only one who responded. <laughs> oh, she's perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean that in a broader sense, not just perfect for the part. She's just a perfect person. Is she? I don't know. Just <laughs> Just being nice. And being nice so Kim will come on the show. <laughs> I'm working up to inviting her. <laughs> yeah, I just want to make sure we got that addressed. Yeah, definitely. And if anybody has an alien abduction story and wants to share it with us, I have an open mind. The truth is out there. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I remember the theme song to the X Files was on one of the pure mood CDs. It was. You're right. It was like DJ Dada or something like that. Was the artist name? Yeah, that's funny. And it always struck me as really odd because like the show was kind of scary. Yeah. And I was like, if you were even passingly familiar with the show, like why would you want that song on your like new age massage? Yeah, pure moods was was set up to like this is what I want to listen to when I'm relaxing. Yeah, you don't suddenly want to start thinking about. Conspiracy theories. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen that show, but they they dealt with some weird stuff. There was like one episode that was even banned. Like, yeah, it was like an incest. It's episode. still a scary episode if you've ever seen it. Yeah, I mean, I recently. saw it a long, long time ago. Yeah, I watched it pretty recently, and it's it's just disturbing. It's not yeah. scary. It's just like ugh. ugh. Yeah, people loving their mothers, disgusting. <laughs> I don't want to see that. <laughs> That is no place on television. <laughs> Wait, would one million moms be upset about that? Hmm, <laughs> real conundrum. I mean, if one million moms doesn't love you or hate you, you're a nobody. I'm ready. Uh, this week, we watched William Friedkin's 1977 cult classic, Sorcerer, which is a great movie with a terrible title. I mean, I was really into all the spells and the fantasy <laughs> world that got set up with um, the orcs, etc. <laughs> Crystal that they had to capture from the evil Markandar. It was good. No, I, uh, I didn't... I was not expecting the movie that that I got. Oh, really? Into this. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about that. I don't last think anybody week... did when saw this movie. <laughs> last week, when I, I think when I mentioned it, like I didn't actually mention anything about the plot. Mm-hmm. I think I just said that it was like a remake of Wages of Fear, and then you were like, oh, "I haven't seen that one either." And I think I, we just ended the podcast. Yeah, pretty much. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, when you texted me earlier today, I was like. Oh, yeah. I didn't really tell him any of that stuff. Yeah, that's Proof great. that you had seen it at, at, at least 3.30 p.m. today. <laughs> I watched it last night. Oh, wow. I know. That is a record. I digested a little bit. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that is a, a horrible title for this film. Yeah, it really just doesn't that's, mesh well with what the movie actually is. This movie was a, a big flop. It was a big flop. A big flop. But for many reasons. Yeah. One, and I'll get into that maybe later, but definitely the title is a big, a main offender. Yeah. I would say. <laughs> uh, I mean, they really just should have called it, like, Truck 
Like, <laughs> I, I feel like that almost would have been better. Yeah. <laughs> Trucks, plural, would even... I mean, especially because it came, you know, a couple years after Freakin' made The Exorcist. Right. It's not unreasonable to think that The Exorcist, which is about, like, religious, occult, supernatural things... Right. ...that the movie Sorcerer would be in the similar vein of things. Exactly. When it is not, it is, like, hardcore realism. Yeah. And they actually, I think they started having to say that on movie posters and stuff like that. Oh, really? Putting over, like, this, there is nothing supernatural in this <laughs> film. <laughs> uh, but, and also, like, his, his reasoning for calling it that was odd, too. He said he was trying to tie it in with The Exorcist for some reason. Mm. And it's like, that's dumb. Or it was that like a nod dumb. to The Exorcist. It's like, your no. name is big enough already. Yeah. You don't need to keep glomming onto that whatever that is weird uh oh i should explain the basic premise yeah we're, i mean we're just diving in here so uh so the movie starts out it kind of has four or five vignettes about you know people who are on the run from the law or society or from outlaws like basically like they're all in hiding in someplace in south america yeah uh, i think it's vague yeah i don't yeah i don't know or if central america somewhere yeah, yeah somewhere you know somewhere off off the grid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all kind of stuck there because they have no money to get away from there. Uh, so they take a very dangerous job of transporting some unstable nitroglycerin through 218 miles of jungle terrain in some, you know, large style trucks. Uh, one where... of which is named Sorcerer. Sorcerer. <laughs> uh, dwarf trucks, just one of them. <laughs> yeah, the other one was named. Lazarus, Lazarus or something yeah. like that, yeah. Lazaro. You know, uh, and, you know, the idea is that if the nitroglycerin jostles too much, it creates a very large explosion and mm-hmm. will kill any or all of them that are around there. Uh, they actually have to travel several minutes apart from each other because they don't want one truck to blow up and then blow the other one. Right. Uh, which is a real danger. That is, yeah. Uh but yes, it's it's a re- it, or it's I don't know I, I mean it shouldn't I shouldn't necessarily say that it's a remake of Wages of Fear. It might be an, uh, another adaptation of the novel yeah. Wages of Fear. That's how uh, William Friedkin. Okay. It. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Clouseau directed. I don't remember what when Wages of Fear came out. Uh, also a fine film. Uh, like on par, I think uh, it's on the Wikipedia page. Talk uh, Stephen King's like top 10 movies to like you know show when you need to impress yeah and number two wages is wages of fear and number one is sorcerer yeah uh the only the the biggest difference that i see is both these movies aren't the most engrossing for like the first third or so Mm -hmm. i like i felt my attention definitely waning in the you know first act of sorcerer but i'm gonna say it's like the first half of wages of fear is pretty slow yeah uh, and so Sorcerer seems to get to the point a little quicker. I liked, well, this is, a, this brings up two points. I liked that we're just kind of plopped in, mm-hmm. like, here's a town, mm-hmm. here's a character. Mm-hmm. Here's a town, here's a, here's a character. And mm-hmm. it's like, the first 15, 16, 17 minutes of this film are in, a, are not in English. Yeah. They're in French, it's, or other, other languages. Yeah. And, um... That was another failure, I think, on the part of the 
with the going with the title audiences would show up and think that they were watching a foreign movie and then they would yeah. walk out yeah because they were like oh i'm in the, i'm definitely in the wrong oh yeah theater which is like Whoa. uh but um also when they apparently when they released it worldwide mm-hmm. the, the the one that has the vignettes at the beginning is the american version but then when they released it worldwide they start in central america oh. and then tell the rest of tell their stories the vignettes in flashback Oh. Which is interesting. Huh. I don't know. And for, apparently uh, Friedkin didn't have say over that. That just happened. Okay. Huh. And he was pretty upset about it. Huh. But um, okay. I like I liked how it just kind of drops you in and you're just, you're kind of, it's, you're unknown really exactly who these people, I mean, you know who they are, at least why they're getting where they're going, but we, yeah. we're never really told like, why are we following these people? Yeah. You know, it's just sort of like, here's this person's story. Here's this person's story. And then we'll catch up eventually, you know, yeah. I think it's like 30 minutes in that you're finally yeah. realize they're all in the same place. Uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a, it's sort of a unique approach. Like, there's not many movies that are sort of like that bold that don't give you a complete backstory or like complete, you know, you know, verbal history of each of the mm-hmm. characters. It kind of just shows you someone... You know, for for me, it's like, eh, you know, we're supposed to sympathize with them. We're not quite sure why, but, you know, we still kind of are. Yeah, or more just pay attention. Like, the, the, this is the character I need to know yeah. things about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really hold your hand. It's sort of, it's it's a movie meant for someone who's, it's not meant for passive watching, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, b- both Wages of Fear and Sorcerer kind of have a a slow ramp up to, like, really the, the meat of the movie. And, but man, once that, once you really get going, once you're, once they find the nitroglycerin and you kind of see what it does and you see the other characters reacting with like such caution to it. Yeah. Then I feel like that's when you're hooked in, at least for me. Yeah. You know, I was suddenly sucked into what was going on. Yeah. Uh, I had to look up how nitroglycerin works. Oh yeah. Cause it's. You always hear about it, yeah. And I'm, I was like, okay, I don't understand. I don't understand how this liquid just like explodes. explodes. But yeah, apparently, like any friction or friction or like fast movement on it can just cause it to turn into a gas. Oh, okay. Which is why that you have that rapid explosion of it, and so okay. And then like the tiniest bit, you know, like I saw one where they just put a dropper of it on the thing and hit it with a hammer, and it was like a gunshot going off. Oh, okay. So like it's they had a hole, and then they had a hole. Box. Crate, yeah. Yeah, full of it, so. Weird shit. <laughs> uh, but I like the mechanics of it. Like, they, they go, there's this shack where there's, you know, dynamites, and they look, and they're like, when was the last time these, you know, crates were turned over, all the nitroglycerin had seeped out of the dynamites right. and just into the bottom of the crate in these, like, plastic bags. Uh, I'm like, oh, that seems, like... Uh, uh, for me, I'm like, God, dynamite! Like, you really got to pay attention to that shit. Yeah, it's scary. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, there's just that he dips his finger in it and then just sort of, you know, shakes, shakes his hand, yeah. and there's pop, just pop, these pop. small explosions. It's like, ooh, okay. Yeah, just real fast. I want to. I want to say, the Wikipedia page on the plot synopsis. I want to read you this one pair, this one sentence because it's like the last hour of the movie half of the movie is the like it's pretty much like their journey in the truck 
yeah. trucks, basically. Yeah. So it's a, it's a big portion of the movie. Yeah. And they've and the Wikipedia page condenses it to this. I just want to read the first sentence, which is. The four drivers embark on a perilous journey over 200 miles, facing many hazards and internal conflicts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess that's what happens, but... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, just, like, the first sort of bridge, like, where they have to, like, corner yeah. over the mountain, and it's, like, on the, the log bridge, and when that tire gets stuck, like, so I'm just, like, clenching up, I'm like, oh my god, it... <sighs> He just start once they start driving, the tension doesn't let up in yeah. this movie at all. At, yeah, like at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's like five minutes between like them starting to drive and like they hit this first bridge, mm-hmm. and yeah, the first one across the bridge, like oh man, just the the logs start pummeling. Yeah, uh, I was almost more scared after they get through the broken log, and then they're like, he's making the turn, and the logs start falling off yeah. as they're turning. I was like, well, no, this isn't going to go well. <laughs> well, because isn't there? That's the bridge where like they see a truck in the gully there. Oh, I, like, I missed that. I didn't see that. Okay, but... yeah, it, it's the guy who's like gonna guide him, like looks down and sees that a truck has already crashed down there. Ugh. So they have to make it across, and yeah, uh, and the shots from like inside the back of the truck where if they hit like a dip too hard so i I guess i should explain for our our listenership here nitroglycerin there's six crates three crates per truck and each truck is filled like sand or dirt Mm -hmm. and the crates are sort of cushioned with this sand or dirt like both like well maybe not inside the crate but like yeah on the outside yeah uh sitting in yeah a bed of sand like help cushion any Turbulence, sliding or, or anything, uh, and I, what I think it was, yeah, on that first bridge where like it shows an, in a uh, shot from the inside, and all through the crates just shift, shift one direction, a bit, yeah, uh, and like just like they move like an inch, and you're like, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's um, this movie's definitely a masterclass in tension, yeah, because it basically right after that, or very soon after that, we get the famous bridge scene, yeah. And it's, which everybody, it's like, it's like the picture on the poster and everything I read about it, that's the thing they reference with good reason. Yeah. It's nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's even little things like when they're driving through the woods and like the, you know, jungle plants like hitting the windshield, I'm like, oh God. Yeah. Oh God. And they're coming down at like (laughs) Yeah. The way that it's- 45 degree angle? What is that? The way that it's filmed looks like they're just like sliding, like- a controlled slide down a mountain. Pretty much, yeah. yeah uh, in the rain. <laughs> they have no visibility through the trees. God. And yeah, then they have to cross this rickety old bridge. And I would I would just bail. At, I mean like <laughs> in the middle of the jungle? Well, that bridge did not look like it could hold. You're gonna go a back truck. to the town that you're trying to escape? No, I would just I don't know what I would do, but like Ugh, it's just yeah. That looked hard. Anytime that they tried to, like, machete through things... I'm sorry, machete? <laughs> I'm always, like, I'm already tired. <laughs> like, yeah. the idea of, like, trying to trek through the jungle, hacking your way through, I'm like, I am exhausted watching <laughs> you, sir. I don't know why you thought that was an option to do anything or go anywhere. <sighs> I think that sometimes, like, if I'll, you know, if I see a... Um wilderness or mountains or like a huge river or something as i would think if i was a pioneer 
I'd be like, no, fuck it. This, I'm living here. We're done. I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> you would have never uh, made it uh, through the Oregon Trail? No. I probably wouldn't have left Pennsylvania. <laughs> you know, right here, the, those I can't get over those Smoky Mountains or whatever. Is, what's in Pennsylvania? Pocono? I don't know. I've never been there. Uh-huh. Apologies to our many Pennsylvania <laughs> listeners. I don't know what mountains run through Pennsylvania. So, yeah, that scene is insane, though. With, I don't even know how they filmed it really. Without actually like putting a real truck on a rickety bridge. Yeah, it, and that, apparently the bridge is was a was fake, and they're on there's like hydraulics that move the oh car it looks around convincing. a lot. Oh, totally. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they did. And apparently there were several times where the truck like overended into the river. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh God. And they had a lot of trouble with. Um, they built the bridge. But it was an unusually dry, rainy season wherever they were. Um, and so the river dried up and they're like, well, we can't do this. So they had to move to somewhere in Mexico and move all the thing, break it down, rebuild oh, it. And apparently the whole 12-minute sequence of the bridge scene cost $3 million to make. Oh, God. And I'm not sure the movie made oh, that back. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you have a, a gross report handy? Uh, yeah. This movie cost twenty one around twenty two million to make, uh, and it grossed five point nine million. Oh man, that's theatrical and rentals, and then nine million worldwide. Oh, that's rough going. That's not even fifty (laughs) percent. That's real rough going. Yeah, that's worse than than your return on your Vern Funk biopic. That's why I was like, hey, $40 million is not bad to get back on a Vern Font biopic. But would they give me another shot at it? No! Ugh. Lionsgate. But, yeah. Apparently they, they did a bunch of shots in the jungle with um, a, a DOP named uh, Dick Bush. Oh, man. Which I'm just going to leave there. You got to think that he didn't go by Richard. <laughs> he went by Dick. Yeah. He chose that name. Dick Bush. Dick Bush. Um, and apparently it was too dark. They, they, they like did all the shots, flew back, developed the film, and William Freakin's like, this is too dark. We have to reshoot. And they reshot all the jungle scenes. That was back when directors called the shots on a shit like that. Diva. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he got a new DOP and it looks great. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. it's just like especially those scenes in the jungle, like when they had to blow up the tree. Yeah. Like all that stuff looked great. Yeah. So, if if reshooting everything meant that that jungle scene looked better, then money well spent. Sure. Uh, I say that you know not having fronted the money. <laughs> yeah. There's probably a producer who's throwing his hat on his on his knee or something. <laughs> Whatever producers did in the seventies. Uh, yeah, I I recommend checking out the Wikipedia page on this. It is long. Yeah, but... well, because you, if I remember correctly, you weren't familiar with this last it, week. Yeah, I had no idea. So when I went to the Wikipedia page to like brush up on things, I'm like, this is huge. I'm like, I know Ryan's going to go to the Wikipedia page. <laughs> and he's going to be shocked that a movie that he's only known about for six days yeah. has this much written about it. It's a big deal because it also, it kind of, a lot of people write about it as the symbol of the end of what was called 
New Hollywood. Yeah. And then as and then because it was released a week a month after Star Wars. Yeah. Or like weeks after Star Wars. But Star Wars was sucking up all the press and all the yeah disposable income, which is like they're everyone's heralding it as like the the beginning of the age of the blockbuster. Yeah. So, um, it's like a symbol basically in a lot of ways. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, one of the other movies that, that symbolizes the end of, like, that era is Heaven's Gate, which I don't know if you've ever seen that one. I haven't. I've heard about it a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's three hours long from the director, Deer Hunter, and it's sort of the same situation where it's like, you know, the director, writer had control, or at least some control over the budget, and was able to, you know, make it as long and as big as he wanted, uh, and it was it United Artists, I think, was the, the studio for Heaven's Gate. And it broke United Artists. Like, they went under because of that movie alone. Wow. Uh, yeah, like, it was a big deal at the time. Uh, and, like, if you watch the movie, like, it's fine. But Steven Soderbergh re-edited it, like, a couple years ago. Oh, yeah? And went from, like, being over three hours to, like, 100 minutes or so. Uh, and even fans of the original have trouble placing what was cut out. like yeah that's the definition of bloated yeah (laughs) uh but this movie on the other hand really feels lean and mean like it doesn't like even though i'm not a a super big fan of like you know the first third or whatever it is Mm -hmm. it still feels necessary well you need i needed it yeah as a first time viewer uh i could see on repeated viewings how it could it could kind of wear on you but yeah yeah i just uh, like it is there, like it is important. It's just you know going to rewatch it. I'm, I'm going for when the trucks actually start driving. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I never feel that that a scene was wasted or was you know unnecessary or anything like that. Everything seems like it's there for a purpose. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, but one, I mean, once the 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 wheels get moving, it really just ratchets up and like the the tension cranks up uh i guess it would be important to talk about some of the the underlying themes you know uh the exploitation of desperate people i guess is Mm. one of the primary themes of you know the movie sure yeah uh because it's it's i mean it's not even just the the four drivers that are desperate i mean they all are but even the people employing them are desperate like right you know it 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 seems like at first when I was watching it, uh, rewatching it this time, I was like, "Well, this is an oil company. Like, it's got to have like it's, it seems like it's a big American oil company. Like, why aren't they flying down like people to like get this you know situation resolved?" Uh, but I was like, "Oh no, it kind of seems like he might be an American, but it seems like the you know he's been contracted out. Like, if oh, he yeah. doesn't get this many barrels of oil, oh, I, I guess I should." Uh, specify that too that they're we didn't getting, say why they're doing this yeah they're trying to get the nitroglycerin to this place because uh there's a, a oil rig fire uh and uh or a refinery or both mm-hmm. and they can't get any oil out because it's just spouting out fire you know if you've seen there will be blood you'll you'll know basically what we're oh talking yeah about. I didn't think about that um and yeah, so they're trying to get the nitroglycerin to blow up, you know, the the hole in the ground because that'll put out the fire. And 
Yeah, and uh, at first I was like, well, why aren't why isn't the American oil company just flying down something to blow us up? Like, why are they doing this like really hard tactic of getting it? But at one point, the guy said like, if they don't get like so many gallons or so many barrels, that the oil company is going to walk away from the contract. And I was right. like, oh, I was like, okay, this this is just some American dude who owns this oil field and he's being contracted for a job. Right. Uh, and it's not even the guy who makes them do it. It's like his his manager yeah. calls down to him to be like, you need to make this work. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, this guy is desperate, and he's hiring desperate people to do an insanely dangerous job. Yep. Uh, but they're, you know, all desperate for one reason or another, so they end up doing it. I mean, they're not short of people who want to do it. There's plenty of people who want right, cause to do it. Right, because the pay is amazing. Yeah, the pay was, you know, Several times what, what they were making... Yo, yeah, one guy sells for. like his gold watch, and the pay for this job was eight times. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, even more because uh, before they do the job, they're like, you know, you don't need six crates, so it seems like you're anticipating one of these trucks not yeah. making it there. So we want doubles. They so negotiate really they're making, their way up. Yeah, they're uh, they're making sixteen times what the guy sold his watch for. So. You know, I don't know how much it translates into modern American dollars, but it seems like they're making some scratch doing this job. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they, you know, they don't all make it though. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> no, they sure don't. My last note, and I didn't take very many notes on this, was, oh, sorcerer doesn't make it. Which <laughs> 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 is sad. Uh, but I there's it's the scene where. Roy Scheider, right as he makes it to the other side of the bridge, and he's convinced that the other people won't make it across the bridge because there's a gap, you know? Right. Uh, the only thing he's talking about is how much money they're going to get from double shares. Mm-hmm. I was like, he's not thankful that he's alive. <laughs> he's thankful that he's going to get paid more. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I remember that stuck in my mind. Like, that's like the mind of a desperate man. Like he's not valuing, he's not putting a dollar value on his own life. Yeah. He's just, or I mean, he is, I guess, technically, but he's not thinking of, of the, the normal value of his own life. He's just thinking of the dollar value attached to this job. Yeah. It's funny. They, so, um, I'm going to use this as a way to get into something bigger. I want to talk about with the movie, but so when, uh, Roy Scheider's character, at the very end of his vignette, it's basically a guy saying, you go to the immigration office, ask for so-and-so, but don't tell him you know me, Yeah, and then he'll get you somewhere safe. And he's like, okay, well then, you know, like, where am I going? And then it cuts yeah. to, it just, like, cuts to it, basically, yeah. Central America. Um, I think that was a really... Well, that's just to show how desperate he was, because he's just like, yeah, I'll take it, wherever it is. But I liked, as a film director's choice i liked that cut a Mm. lot because then it's like we're there we're just like where he is and like the conversation seems really ends really abruptly it's a weird it was a weird smash cut but i actually really ended up liking it and that's one thing about this movie i liked for the most part was that he was really ambitious in the editing Mm. department okay there were a lot of strange ambitious just cuts that he was making all over the place that sometimes were successful and sometimes weren't. Um, I think that was that was one that worked. But I think that that is almost where it kind of got 
out of hand a little bit for him okay. too. I think that he kind of he went a little nuts okay. in the editing in the editing room. Um, He's just anxious to, or just like it. Just there were a lot of times when it would cut away really fast or 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 switch for reasons that I didn't quite understand. Um, and I don't know if it was to build tension or what he was doing exactly. Uh, if if there if there is a part parts of this movie that could go, I would say there's like some like. Just interspersed cuts that I think he could have taken out. Like when they get to South America and they show animals like crawling up like the screens and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I kind of like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking when they're driving almost like there's scenes during the during the bridge where it's... I don't know. It just felt like we didn't need to cut to... Under, there's a shot that's like underneath the bridge as the truck's driving over. That oh, felt yeah, like... which reminded me of the scene in Gremlins 2 when the spider gremlin is crawling over the camera and you see its underside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Who wore it better? <laughs> uh, to go back to the theme of like uh, sort of people's focus on the material, mm-hmm. uh, as Roy Scheider's like coming back, Scanlon, I think is the character's name. They don't really say each other's names a whole yeah. bunch in this. There's not a lot of dialogue in this movie. Yeah, not a lot of talking. Uh, he has to walk for a couple miles to get one of these cases. Of, uh, right, because his truck, Laz- Lazaro, dies about like two miles away from the destination. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's limping up. He's got this box. And he gets to the oil field. And you can see, like, the fiery oil spewing out into the air. And the people come and they grab the box from him and walk away. And he walks away and just collapses and no one pays attention to him. Yeah. Everyone who works there is focused on the nitroglycerin. No one is actually focused on the person bringing it. That's a good point, yeah. Uh, They're aware that he's like kind of a nobody. Yeah, like they don't give two shits about him. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, uh, another difference between this and Wages of Fear, without spoiler alerting too much... Wages of Fear, they don't make it. None of them? None of them. Oh. The guy, in Wages of Fear, the guy feels that he's home free. hmm And he starts driving really stupidly and hits like a rock and blows up. Hmm. And when I watched it, I was like, we just went through like this really tense movie. And then it has this almost silly ending. <laughs> And someone, like, I read somewhere that it's supposed to, like, because the movie Wages of Fear is from 19, late 1940s, French movie. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to represent, like, post-war existential crisis. That it's not, totally, yeah. It's not the things that we know we should be worried about that will get us. It's the things that we don't know we should be worried about that will get us. Okay. And so, like, this guy thought that he was home free, and in his carelessness there... That's when he died in Wages of Fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this doesn't have that. Like, he makes it, he gets his money. But at the end, like, the gangsters that he's running away from have caught up with him. So this has more of, like, a you can't outrun your destiny sort yeah. of feel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Although he does, the French guy basically dies from being careless driving. So maybe maybe Friedkin's making a comment. Well, the <laughs> French, was it, didn't his tire blow out? Yeah, but I thought it was because he hit a rock. Oh, maybe it did. I, I might not have caught that. I thought it was just oh, chance. random chance. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Which is also equally as, you know, the things you don't know is what's going to... Right. 
Uh, That's the thing. I definitely got that existential vibe running through this film, especially at the very end when it's like, oh, well, he fucking dies anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. After all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he went through hell, but he couldn't, he couldn't actually escape his fates. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel that the, the ending here is stronger than Wages of Fear. Wages of Fear might be more philosophically satisfying for some, mm-hmm. uh, but in terms of just entertainment value or, I, I feel it's more thematically satisfying this way. Yeah. He does lose his mind. I think that's what that whole montage in New Mexico is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just like flashbacks to what he's gone through. Yeah. Both in New Jersey and in the jungle here. Um, so I think he's actually like kind of lost it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, and they really blew up a tree in this movie. Yeah. Like, they tried blowing it up and it didn't take, so they had to get, like, I saw that. a real, like, you know, uh, not ammunition, but real pyrotechnic? They said it was an arsonist. Oh, okay. <laughs> Last time I saw this was on sort of a crummy DVD transfer. Mm-hmm. So watching it, like, on Blu-ray, like, with high def now, that tree exploding, because, like, you really get, like, the glimpse of, like, the big chunks coming out yeah. of it. I'm like, oh, wow, like, I'm really seeing the details this time around. Like, they really blew the hell out of a tree. I went to, uh, I went camping in, in uh, the, on the Oregon coast years and years ago, and the day I arrived, a giant tree had fallen the night before. Oh. And so there were, there were workers, like, cutting a hole, because it fell across a path. It was huge. Um, and so we went over... Uh, and you could the path now walked through the middle of this tree, and so you could see the middle of it and the smell of like a freshly dead tree like that is so earthy, yeah, and yeah. delicious. I'll bet it smelled great when that tree <laughs> is my point. So there's a little bit of comparison to Fitzcarraldo in yeah. this too that I kept I kept seeing this and Apocalypse Now just because it takes place in the jungle and was a difficult film yeah difficult to film blah 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 but like uh i there was something in here about how uh freakin felt a little bit like Werner herzog during Fitzcarraldo, just like sure i'm kind of a madman <laughs> a little bit in the shoot which i think is funny to think uh about. i mean i can i can sort of see that like i think that the jungle is just a difficult terrain to shoot in normally yeah so when you have different pressures such as like weather or terrain like to add into it like yeah it might be a little maddening yeah was there anything else you wanted to i guess i wanted to get into a little bit about why this movie didn't didn't make it and the first one is like star wars yeah basically people were like fuck this intellectual shit i want to (laughs) watch space booms (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's uh, not to say, you know, Star Wars isn't a fine film. It's fun. Right, right. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and we've already talked about Bad Title. Bad Title. And then the other one is just like having foreign language for the first 15 minutes of the movie instead of English. Yeah, I sometimes forget about that. Like, a lot of people applaud, you know, Inglorious Bastards for having these long stretches that aren't in English. And I'm like, really? You want to applaud a movie for that? But then sometimes like... Maybe we should. Yeah. Like, if they can do it and pull it off and still, like, maintain, like, some level of financial success. Because apparently that's a turnoff for some people. Yeah, it's it's odd to me. 
Yeah. I like shifting, and especially if it's two characters that would be speaking in whatever language would normally be speaking in. Yeah. Like, that makes sense. Like, that... Reading subtitles takes me out of the reality less than people who would obviously be speaking in whatever language they would be speaking in, just doing it naturally. I know? guess the sequel to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was in English, but it was because some of the Chinese actors from the original that were speaking Mandarin did not fluently know Mandarin, and oh. that took some of the Chinese audience out of the movie. because oh, they, they totally could hear the accent? Yeah. Like, Funny. Yeah, it seemed inauthentic to the Chinese audience. Hmm. We but meanwhile, either. like, you know, I know people who, you know, watch the sequel and it's in English, and they're like, this seems weird. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one, I guess. Did you know that it was supposed to be Steve McQueen originally instead of Roy Scheider? I mean, as much as I love the Scheid... Steve McQueen was, was a hobby with the body. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't I mind. Have, I, I might have appreciated that. This was 70s Steve McQueen, too. He was also a bit of a diva, though. Right. He decided, apparently, according to the Wikipedia page, he decided not to do it because uh, he didn't want to be that far away from his wife for two months. And then he's like, well, why don't you make my wife an associate producer and she can come along? Maybe even write a role for her. <laughs> and William Freakin's like, No! <laughs> Was this when he was married to Allie McGraw? Yeah. <laughs> From Love Story. <laughs> love is never having to say I'm sorry, Ryan. Which, <laughs> as someone who's in a long-term relationship, you know how untrue that is. Yeah, you have to fucking say I'm sorry all the time. <laughs> anything outside the challenge this week that uh you were okay with <laughs> no i guess i didn't i have um fallen angels oh sitting like waiting to watch again and i've just been oh okay I, i'm actually probably gonna watch it as soon as we're done here oh what um, prompted you to want to watch that one? Again? I think because I was looking when I found that list of movies that we did the original time around. Yeah, I don't remember it very well. Oh, okay. and I, I remember I read my notes on it, and I was like, I don't remember. I don't remember much from that movie. So okay. I actually just want to check it out again. I remember liking it, but that's not enough. I sure. won't actually see it again. Okay. So. And then I have a really good one coming up right after that. Oh, Prisoners, which I haven't seen yet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> The, I'm gonna the just, yeah, and then right after that, I've got uh, the other one that he did right after that. Shit. Enemy? Enemy? Yeah. But both of which I haven't seen, so I'm real excited. I'm gonna have a little villain. Both have a uh, Jakey G in them. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I know he's an enemy. I didn't know he's in prisoner. Uh, yeah. He's the goody goody. You know, he really stopped doing it for me once he turned into a man. <laughs> You like them boys? I liked, I liked boy Gyllenhaal. So or like, like Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal, I think. Gyllenhaal. I think. I like boy G. <laughs> Jilly. <laughs> boy Jilly, I don't think it's going to stick. <laughs> so you, you like him bubble boy G. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh my god. Is that next week? I don't know. 
Is your cutoff date like Donnie Darko? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh. I mean, I think I think he's so cute in that movie, and then like I guess Brokeback Mountain. A lot of people say Jarhead was like peak hotness oh, for that's him. Right. We've talked about this. Not thinking about it. Okay, yeah, uh, I've definitely had more than one person say that that was yeah. where his hotness peaked. Sometime after that, I just see him as a, as an actor, but I'm not. Sometime after that, I see him as someone who dated Taylor Swift. <laughs> that's definitely a turn off. It's like a dark mark now. I know, poor Tom Hiddleston. I know. When's he gonna do a nude scene again? <laughs> Him and Ewan McGregor can have a nude off. Ah! Mmm. What's the name of that movie? I'm on board. <laughs> uh, well, oh my god, we've been going on. Well, <laughs> I I want to watch Cowards Bend the Knee. Oh, okay. The, uh... Guy Madden. Guy Madden film. Um... Unless, have you seen Brand Upon the Brain? I own Brand Upon the Brain. Okay, great. Well, then let's do Cowards by the Knee, because I saw Brand Upon the Brain recently. Okay. And um, I'd like to revisit that sure. one, which I haven't seen in a while. I haven't so. watched it since you challenged. Like, that dates oh. to our origins. That was one of the first movies you ever had me watch. Yeah. It's one of my faves, or I remember it as being so. I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen it in a long time. I remember you specifically had me watch that one as opposed to Saddest Music in the World, because mm. you said specifically that you wanted to choose one of his more challenging movies. Mm -hmm. There you go. Boom. This will give me an excuse to watch some other Madden films while I'm at it. Yeah. 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 And I've, I've been wanting to get Guy Madden on this podcast pretty much since the beginning. I so. was going to say, you know, this is episode 17 that we're recording right now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. It's, it's, it's time. time. It's time. Next week. Coward bend the knee. Bam. <laughs> excited plug our junk yeah our junk needs some plugging let's do this <laughs> we also did not introduce ourselves god damn it <sighs> this is ryan whedon i'm matt fisher welcome to next so you guys were for three weeks <laughs> ten years ago well, i was also is... thinking our new catchphrase should be uh we used to be thirsty for each other now we're just thirsty for film <laughs> <laughs> hey no idea is a bad idea at this time <laughs> <laughs> Considering we haven't said anything yet as a catchphrase. <laughs> uh, anyway, we have we have a Twitter. It's uh, at X Rated Movies, and then we have a Facebook, which is Rated X Movies, due to Facebook being donkuses about <laughs> stuff like that. Um, we also have a Gmail, which is X Rated Movies at Gmail .com, and uh, anytime you send us a letter, we'll send you one back with a cute kitty. <laughs> Uh, please uh, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, especially like the rate review. That's a that's a good way to like let others know about the podcast as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so we appreciate any any and all reviews. We love them. We can't get enough of them. Just insatiable. <laughs> uh, and I guess we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for, for cowards, listening. Bend the knee. Mm hmm.